Hey, we are thrilled to be living in Europe. It's nice and quiet. There's coffee in every store you go to. It's really fun. So for somebody who loves coffee, I, it's, it's great. It's detrimental to a budget, but it's great. Uh, I want to show you a picture of my family. I come straight to you from Lithuania. They're standing right there in the front of the, the big cathedral right in Vilnius. We used to live a few blocks away from there, actually. And uh, my wife and I, Tanya, we have been married 15 years. And we have three kids. And my wife's on the right. And then Morgan is in the middle, in the back there. She's 13. And Isabel is 11. And then the little dude in the front is Ethan. And he just turned six. And uh, he was telling... He was telling me that he needs all kinds of different toys for his sixth birthday. <laughs> so it's been a great time to be here and to hang out with Pastor John and Kristen at their home and to not get along with their dogs. But I, I heard that's a common, common problem. So it's okay. I, I, I cried myself to sleep last night, and it, it, <laughs> it's okay. Um, I just want to share with you some stories. I want to share with you some practical application of what it means to be a missionary. Just simply that God has called all of us to be a missionary. Amen? Some of you are like disagreeing with me right now. Just stop it. Just stop it. Okay. I'll explain what I mean. Uh, can we pull up that first verse? It's found in 2 Samuel 14, 14. It says, uh, all of us must die eventually. Our lives are like water spilled out on the ground, which cannot be recovered. But God does not sweep us away, life away. Instead, he devises ways to bring us back when we have been separated from him. Think about that. Think about how he, I mean, I've been here four days, and I have seen more than my share of accidents on this road. I mean, I've only driven from D.C. to Hagerstown. And I thought last night I drove to Hagerstown, I thought for sure I wouldn't see an accident, sure enough. Think about just that very simple fact that he devised a safe way for you to get here this morning. Praise God for that. And we, we pray and we lift up those who have been in accidents recently and hope that their recovery and everything goes very well. But something so practical that we don't even think about it most of the time. He devises ways for us to come into relationship with him. Think about how you grew up. Did you grow up in a Christian home, a non-Christian home? Did you grow up in a, a pastor's home? Did you grow up in a home, an atheist home? Did you, where did you grow up? Think about all the people that were put in your, in your way that you had to either decide to avoid or you decided to go to and say, tell me more. Think about all the people that God has placed along the road. Think about all the different opportunities he's placed so that he could have a chance to share his love with you. And then think about how all that led up to when you gave your life to Christ. And maybe you're sitting here thinking like, what are you talking about giving your life to Christ? Well, I have a very cool thing to tell you, that if you've never given your life to Christ, you can. Because he came, the son of God, he came because God loved the earth so much that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's God's mission statement and his mission right there. He sent his son. He paid the ultimate price. Uh, I have one son. 
I don't know if I'd be willing to let him die for somebody. Kind of gets me now. I'm like, oh, I only got one of those. Like, I don't know that I'd be willing to give him up. But God gave him up for us. And he put all the sin and suffering and sickness and disease and problems and strife on him. And then Jesus died, signifying that sin was dead through Jesus' blood. Then they put him in a tomb. They tried to seal it three days later. It was opened up. Jesus resurrected, showing that Jesus has power and dominion over sin, sickness, death, disease, and disorder. Amen. I get excited about that. But it doesn't just stop there. Well, he's, he's over it all. Okay, that's it. No, it's not. He also offers his hand to you and says, look it. You're in your mess. I want to take you out of your mess. And I want to bring you into my way of living. I want to take take you up out of that captivity. I want to take you up out of that addiction. I want to take you and bring you through this difficulty in your marriage so that you can come out on the other side and remain married and even be stronger than before, but with my help. Amen? Jesus isn't, isn't this... God up in the sky, and he's like, oh, you did something wrong? I saw on a, on a counter next to a tip jar, and it said, I saw that, and then dash, karma. You're like, God's not up there counting all your wrongs and waiting to smite you. He's up there saying, just come to me. Just come to me, and I'll give you rest, and I'll give you joy and hope and a future and a plan. Amen? So we can let our souls rest in the fact that Jesus is for us and not against us. It's very simple. You just ask him to come into your heart and to forgive you of your sins and to live in you. That's it. How does this work? Okay, God devises ways. He's devised ways for me to be standing here in front of you. I had a fly. I had to get delayed. Uh, That's just the end of it. But 20 years ago, we had a friend which happens to be Kristen's sister, Kendra, and her husband, they moved over to Lithuania almost 20 years ago. They were there, then they moved to Belgium, and then to Estonia, and then back to Lithuania. And in the course of that time, we met them. But also there in 2009, we were feeling, man, we got to leave our ministry position and get into the mission field. We tried, no doors opened. But at the same year, I found out, a couple years after that, I found out that a group of young ladies in their 60s and 70s traveled from Minnesota and went to the Baltic countries and prayed for three things to happen, that missionaries would come, churches would be planted, and people would get saved. They were calling down God's plan, and God was answering that prayer, and he was stirring our hearts at the very same time. That's just coincidence, Luke. No, it's not. Because I want to do whatever I can to follow Jesus, and I want to obey his will as best as I can. And a lot of times, I just do what I want, and it's not smart. But when we were seriously seeking God and asking him what to do, I believe that he was saying, I have a place for you, but you have to do something first. And we're like, no, we want to go to the mission still now. So we moved to another city. It was a smaller town, and we lived in a refurbished barn with a squirrel on the wall. It was really fun. And he was really noisy. And 
we got the chance to get rested and ready as a family. And then God opened the doors for us to meet Nick Puccini, who then told us all about what was going on in the Baltic countries. He was first, he was going from Armenia to, he was going from Armenia to Estonia. And I looked at him and I said, what? Where? And it's not in the Pauly Shore movie. It's Estonia. It's a tiny little country. So if you, if you want to know geography, if you're not good at geography, I have a hand map for you that's really easy to comprehend. Right here, like Michigan, like here we go. This is Russia, 11 time zones or so. And then right here, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania. And then Europe's all over here. Africa's down here, okay? So the Middle East and those countries. So that's where we went. And we went to be on a church planting team of missionaries that would plant a church that would multiply itself and go throughout the Baltic countries is like our dream. And we thought, man, this is going to be nuts. We're going to a country, I'm telling you, a country that's free, religiously free, so they can do whatever they want. And you can come in on a religious visa, all this. But guess what? Less than 1% of people that are under 40 go to any kind of church throughout the whole country. It's a tiny country. 1.4 million people, okay? So we go into this climate, and we're like, what are we going to do? Because everybody you meet will say, why'd you come to Estonia? What, you know, why'd you move here? And we say, because we want to plant a church. And they say, well, don't you realize we're the least religious country in the world? We're like, precisely. That's why we need to do church. <laughs> So we would explain that to them and have some open doors like that. And it, it just never ceases to amaze me that God never, it never occurred to him that there shouldn't be life-giving churches all throughout that country and Latvia and Lithuania where we now live. There should be, there, there has to be life-giving churches there, amen? So we went and we started this church three years ago, in September. Just 12 missionaries and all of our kids it was awesome. We started out in the house, and then we went to a theater. They found out we were Christians, so we went to a different theater, an acting theater, and it actually worked out a lot better for us, and we started gaining some traction, about 35 people each week, 40, and then we found a building, and we were able to refurbish it, and then we were able to get in there, and then all of a sudden, something happened. There's people coming like crazy. The room we had was tiny, so they're now running. They're three years old. They're now running in the least religious country in the world. They're now running three services on Sunday, and roughly 200 people. There's about 60% involvement. Yeah, praise God. Their volunteer base is pretty huge, and they have about 60% of their attendees involved in some way, shape, or form throughout the week through volunteering or coming to small groups or connect groups or whatever. They're involved. They're giving. They just, they're launching another church in West Holland. I thought we were talking about Lithuania, Luke. Yeah, I'm talking about the movement because I've... I really believe that God is doing an incredible move to establish the local church in these three countries because the local church is what? The hope of the world, amen? This is where people can come to find who Jesus is, making access where there is none to the gospel. And they are planting a church, sending another group of, uh, another missionary couple and a whole group of Estonians and a whole group of internationals that are going over there to start this church, and they're starting this fall. They've launched them, and they're launching us all the way into Lithuania, into Vilnius, eight hours south. This country, these three countries are about the size and landmass of Minnesota, and about the same population, about five and a half, five point six million 5.6 million people. Each of the countries boasts 
35 churches, about 35 people each in the union that we're with. A couple of the churches are over a couple hundred in each of the countries. Is that an adequate witness? Is that enough? Well, you have presence there. It's fine. No, it's not enough. It's not enough until you can offer you can offer the gospel to everybody. We got work to do, and we're excited to do it because God is moving in people's hearts and minds. There's another verse I want to read to you. I think sometimes as Christians we can complicate, and maybe the complication comes because we're scared or we're unsure, like, there's an opportunity I had today, but I blew it because I didn't know what to say. I didn't have like a whole sermonette ready when this person asked me a question about God. Forget that nonsense. You don't need to know the Bible forward and backwards and have it memorized like Noah Webster. I'm like, are you kidding me? Just calm down. Breathe. Everybody breathe. Whew. Okay. What people are need is you loving Jesus in front of them. You demonstrating what Jesus' love looks like. How is this operational, like in our lives? How, how is it, Luke, you don't understand my story. You don't understand that I'm an introvert. And when I'm an extrovert, I look at my neighbor's shoes. That's how introverted I am. <laughs> you want to talk or something? Like, why are you looking at my shoes? No. <laughs> it's time that we start operating in our gifts not just to serve, yes, to serve, and to serve it wholeheartedly as unto Jesus, but also operating in our gifts to win people to Jesus through simple acts of love. Maybe you're an incredible chef and you love hosting people at your home. So go out and find the least religious person you can and invite them to your home. Have them over for dinner and just love on them. You don't even have to talk about the gospel. Talk about whatever they want and ask them to come back again. And pretty soon they're going to like wonder why you keep stuffing them full of yummy food and they're going to ask and you'll have the chance to talk to them. And it will be easy because you're at home, you're comfortable, and you'll be able to share the love of God with them. Let's look at this verse. It's found in Exodus Chapter 3, then the Lord told him, who is Moses, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile, spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. There's a dude named Moses he was scared out of his wits. One day he's counting his father-in-law's sheep. I would be scared to lose one of those too. He saw that the, you know, he was out there counting them and then all of a sudden he caught the attention of this bush that was on fire and it wasn't getting consumed. So he's like, what is going on? So he goes over and God starts talking to him. He downloads this message and Moses is like, dude, why, why are you talking to me? Moses is giving him the rap sheet of all it's like a probation officer. He's like, dude, I got, I'm a murderer, I'm a liar, I'm a runaway, I'm a stutterer. 
how come you didn't study, stutter when you gave me the list? You know, that's what probably what God is thinking. Like, you just rattled out. Like, I can't speak in front of people. And God is like, it doesn't matter what you can't do. I'm calling you to go and deliver my people, not just to bring them out, but to also carry them. If you, I'm, if you look at the scripture passage, it says it's meaning that Moses was meant to bring them all the way to the mountain where they would be able to worship God there. Think about this. He used Moses to bring people a step closer to him every day. I don't know if I could deliver a nation. That would be testing. People complaining about being back in Egypt and not enough water and not enough food and not enough luxurious green grass to sit on in the middle of the desert. I mean, it would be stressful. But Moses agreed. And at the end of this encounter, God says, I see, hear, and feel these needs. I'm fully aware in another translation it says. I'm fully aware of what's going on with these, my people in, in Egypt. And he says, now I'm sending you. Hmm. Kind of like God points with lots of fingers at all of us at the same time. I'm sending you. When you come to this building and you meet with God, when you get on your knees at home and you spend time in God's presence, and that wonderful, beautiful presence overwhelms you, and sometimes you cry, and other times you're just encouraged so deeply and so powerfully, and you walk out the door and you don't do anything with it. That's not how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be where you you encounter that God, and he gives you the boldness to walk out the door. And when you walk out the door, It's like you're the king's kid and you own the joint. You walk into the gas station and you're like, you have a great day. (laughs) Right? You don't walk in there and be like, I'm in a nervous frenzy. I'm going to be late to work. I need my coffee. You don't do that. You elbow everybody out of the way, then you get your coffee, right? No. You you walk in with a, a different poise. You walk in with confidence. You walk into your work, and they look at you like, what's wrong with this guy? How come he does better work than everybody else? How come, how come he's, he's here early, and he leaves early, and he gets more work done than everybody else? How come everybody who talks to him wants to keep talking to him? How come all the customers that he deals with only ask for him? The boss will notice. Luke, my job is terrible. I sit in a cubicle every day. Well, make it the best job you've ever had. Make it the best company you possibly can make it through the power of God. Do, the Bible doesn't say do some things unto me. It says do all things unto me. Then you will find favor with both God and man. Sweep that floor at Chick-fil-A, baby. Sweep that floor. <laughs> Serve those french fries as you wish. What is it that, what, I, my pleasure, I was, I, was using, I was using Princess Bride, sorry, as you wish. As you wish. It works, it's the same idea. So I just got everybody in the room on that one, they're like, I've never been to Chick-fil-A, but I've seen Princess Bride. 
But isn't it a different mentality when we look at it from that angle? Instead of us always being in a frenzy and always in a hurry and always, 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 just like everybody else, why don't we act different? Where do you start? Don't go sign up for your PhD in your doctorate for biblical studies. You don't need to do that first. What you need to do is just get on your knees and ask God to fill you with whatever he needs to fill you with that day and provide, provide the words for every opportunity that he has laid out in front of you and just simply say, God, I am yours. Just let me be used however you need me to be used today. I've found that the smallest things that I do for people or in life matter more than the big things. When you simply love people, we had a really awesome chance to love people in, uh, in Tallinn. And I'm going to tell you that and then explain another story from Lithuania. But I'll, I'll say this story. We had a chance to, to meet a teacher, our oldest daughter, Morgan. Her teacher's uh, name was Kristen. And we were able to meet her. And the first time I met her, I didn't think I'd be friends with her ever because it was just not that kind of encounter. Like, okay. And uh, it came came home, and then later on, my wife ended up befriending her and asked her over for dinner, and I was kind of like, okay, that's cool. So she came over for dinner, and we, you know, make a, in Europe, you can make American stuff, and people think it's great. It's like a novelty, like chili and tacos. They're like, wow, what do you do with this stuff? And you have to teach them how to eat chili and put the chips on the bottom and the sour cream and the cheese. And so she came over, and she walks her bike in to our entryway, and she says, now, let's get this straight. You're not going to convert me, and we're not going to talk about God or religion tonight. <laughs> like, done. We're going to eat, and we're going to play games. So we sit down, and what do you think we talked about the entire time? God, religion, the Bible, every question she could throw at us, and we're like, can we answer one of those first? And she just kept throwing them at us. So a little bit later on, we had the Alpha course happening, and Tanya had invited her to so many things. She, you know, Kristen will, will tell you that... Uh, she invited me to everything, and I kept telling her no, but so she invited me to this meal thing, and so I, I went. So she went, and I'm telling you what, about six weeks into this Alpha course, she didn't see the speaker's face one night. She saw the face of God just right there, and she went home, and she knew that she needed to do something. She knew that she found some real truth here, and she gave her life to Christ at her apartment. Then she devoured her Bible, like just completely read through it. Yeah. She went through and read the Bible cover to cover in just months and then uh, got involved with a leadership class, did that with, you know, obviously with Bible-based leadership class, and then she went through that. And then, then she went on to get baptized and fill with the Holy Spirit and now she's studying to be a pastor, and she's the first Estonian ever to take Brian online through the American School of Global University. You guys had a part in that. Isn't that fun to be a part of something that where lives are being changed? And she's not, you know, like she hasn't forgotten about what's going on. We just spoke to her like two weeks ago, and we saw her, went to her birthday party and everything, and she's doing great. God is doing awesome stuff through her life. And we believe that that's going to happen in Vilnius and is beginning to happen. Right now, we've been in Vilnius for five months. We've been learning language, and I won't, like, 
torture you trying to say Lithuanian words to you because if friends are watching online, they'll be like, oh my gosh, you just said it in the wrong case and the pronunciation was terrible. Uh, but I can say labas, which means hello. So hello, that's what you get. <laughs> I can say my name, Manovardis Lucas. So there you go. My name is Luke. Uh, but God is using language learning even as a tool and my obsessively fast-growing hair as a tool to get to the barber shop frequently so that I can speak with the barbers and the hairstylists. There's, it's like a, a barber shop, so there's only one girl in there who cuts hair. And I, I, at first, when I went in, I was like, I'm never going to sit in her chair. I'm, just, I, I'm probably going you know, to sit in this dude's chair or whatever. But worked out where we ended up, Ethan and I, we, that's like our dude night. We go and we get our hair cut and go get a you know, McDonald's or something, and we go out and we have fun cutting our hair. So we're both getting our hair cut. And she starts talking, like, why are you here? What's going on? And he's getting his hair cut. And I'm sitting in a chair just telling her the whole thing. Why did you come here? What's going on? And I told her, yeah, we're here to plant a church. And she goes, oh, what kind of church is this going to be? And I started telling her. And, you know, there's a little bit of language barrier of, like, how you describe things. We go on and on and on. And pretty soon I realized I'm, like, I'm just telling her the whole gospel message from Genesis, kind of just the whole thing. And then we get to like all the way into like where Jesus is and all that. And then these two people walk in the door. I'm like, oh, come on. It's over now. You know, like it disrupts the whole thing. So these people sit down. And then they start speaking Lithuanian to each other. And then I caught a word that I knew. Like, oh, Salsani. Oh, like cookies. And they're like, you speak? I'm like, yeah, I speak. And then so we start, <laughs> start talking. And we got to know them. Their names, his name is Nerius and her name is Amber. And then we were joking around about stuff and how difficult Lithuanian is and this and that. And then all of a sudden, he, they're like, what do you do? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what I do. Let me just tell you what I do here. Mm. So I started telling them what I do. And then I took the same story I told to Raza, my hairstylist, I, I took that and just condensed it to them because they just walked in. They didn't have all the extra context. So they walked in. I was able to say the whole thing to them. And then at the end, I said, it's like God is trying to get his kids back when they've been taken away from him. Like that verse says, he makes a way. He, and he's trying to get all of his kids back. We're his kids, but we've been separated because of this sin problem. And it's like a father. Are you a father? You know, I asked the guy, and he's like, well, yeah, actually. And I go... It's like you would do anything if your kids were kidnapped or taken from you. You'd do whatever it took to get them back, right? And he's like, well, yeah. He's starting getting angry, you know, like, yeah. And a little bit of, like, yeah, I'll get them. <laughs> and I said, that's what God did. He sent his one and only son. He paid the ultimate cost, the ultimate price, so that we could come in back, back in relationship with him. And they just kind of looked at me like, whoa. And the lady was like, huh. Huh. You see, they have an idea of what religion is, but they don't practice any kind of religion. Well, the Catholic is what we do, but nobody does it. They, they have churches everywhere in Vilnius, but nobody goes. I'm excited for what God's going to do. Because the story of Kristen and Estonia is just the beginning of what God is going to do. These stories of the barbershop and of the hairstylists and the people that we encounter is only the beginning. You see, we don't consider me the missionary and my family. All of us are the missionaries. The kids 
we wouldn't have met Kristen if it wasn't for our daughter. And if we didn't come exactly halfway through the year, 21 months after fundraising, and we were totally done fundraising, we wanted to move there in the worst way, if we didn't get there exactly that year, we would not have been able to come up to the third floor every day and talk to her. They closed off the, the stairways to, for security reasons the next year, and it made it impossible for us to get up there easily. But the, year, the first year, we talked to all the teachers. I want to give you a moment just to sit and think, what are the things I'm able to do, and who am I around? Think about this. Like, who has God placed around you? In that case... He placed teachers and administrators and people that we actually still are friends with because of the fact that we could go upstairs and talk with them and practice our terrible Estonian skills on them. And he opened up doors. And he's still opening doors. Who's around you? Who's How has God devised plans for people that are all around you to see you Pastor John's not going to come to your work and minister to your boss. He won't. Don't ask him. That's not his job. The other pastors aren't going to come to your middle school and yell at your principal because of what they're teaching or what they're not teaching. They're not going to come and minister to your administrator. They're not going to come to your job and talk to that guy that says less than savory jokes all day to you in the cubicle next to you or in the shop. He's not, they're not going to do it. How are you drawn to Christ? Was it only by a pastor? I highly doubt it. I tend to think that it would be a whole bunch of people that were put in your path that directed you that way. That there were people praying for you. That there were people talking to you and leading you and bringing you to church and helping you find this out. Maybe it was a cute girl who invited you to come today. That's still a plan God can use to devise for you to come to know him. Amen? But it's time that we We allow God to devise our days in his plan. There's a quote I want to read to you from Mark Batterson. It says, Jesus' approach to living was revolutionary. The moment he stepped on this earth, he challenged the norms of society. When he said the first in his kingdom, he backed up his words, backed up his story with, in his words with how he spent his days. He preferred the company of beggars, thieves, and blue-collar workers. Religiosity was out and relationship was in. When the political leaders of the day were unapproachable, he made himself absolutely accessible. Where the religious fathers practiced separatism and bigotry, he practiced familiarity and empathy. When Jesus invites us to do life with him, he invites us to rub shoulders with the ones he loves. Jesus loves the people that are around you. He puts you there for a very real reason. Because nobody else can do it. 
but you don't understand, Luke, my brother is the most angry person you've ever met in your life. It doesn't matter what you think is impossible. With God, all things are possible. The ones that are hurt the worst are angry the worst. They're the ones that come to Jesus the fastest. But when you play the game with them and you get angry with them and you do all the stuff with them, you just escalate. But when you do something that's completely opposite and you say, let me take you to the store because you need to go and you can't drive because of your health condition and I know you hate me, but let me just help you. They're going to say after like a hundred times of that, they're going to be melted in their seat and they're going to, why do you care about me? When your friend at work, you don't even know them, but you hear that they're in the hospital, you hardly know their last name. You go visit them, and you bring them a nice card, and you pray for them because they're a captive audience. They're not going anywhere. <laughs> when you go and you do that, that's abnormal. Who hates to go into the hospital? Pretty much all of us. It smells sterile, and it's like weird. ER is like a moaning place, like, people are moaning. I don't want to go there. But when you go and you just simply show up for somebody at a hospital bed, they're going to come back to you and say, why? Guys, this isn't rocket science. You don't have to have a doctorate for this. If your neighbor's moving, drop what you're doing, grab your family, go move all their junk in their car for them doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they're, if they're there for a week and they get kicked out because of some crazy problem. That little thing can put something in their heart and say they're still good in people. And that little good in people can grow years down the road when they get into a big mess and they realize that God is real. Some way, somehow. Well, that's just too small. That's not going to work. Remember, the smaller things are bigger. When you offer your time, when you offer your love, the love that Christ offered you and you give it freely to other people, you become contagious. You become irresistible. You become absolutely approachable. And as you rub shoulders with all those people, don't despise them, love them. And if you don't know how to love them, it's time to ask Jesus to show you how. Maybe it's just simply bringing them a, a nice warm tray of cookies. It's amazing the hearts you can win with cookies, especially in America. <laughs> I wasn't planning on this story, but I'll tell you one. Cookies. I brought warm cookies when I was a bus driver for just a few months to the office. And I handed them to some people, and there was one guy who was a bus driver, but on the weekends and the evenings, he, or the, the weekends, I would hope, he was a drinker. He had a lot of hurt in his life. His name was Roger. And one day we had a, I don't even know what we were doing, but I was riding on the bus with him, and he stopped by his house, and it was confirmed. He had beer bottles everywhere, liquor bottles all over. And I brought him a tray of cookies, and his demeanor switched he just opened, like, his arms were just like this to me. And he just was paying attention to me. And I was able to just to tell him what I did and 
and how I lived and whatever. That's what I'm talking about. It's just that easy. And when you ask God for how you should do it, he'll give you a way to do it. And just do it. It sounds crazy. But do it. And you'll see people come to Jesus like crazy. And that's when it starts getting wild and fun. Amen? If you want to be somebody like that, who's going to say, I'm going to step past the threshold and I'm going to go into that. I don't care how crazy it sounds. I'm not going to be strange and I'm not going to stand on the table and I'm not going to yell at everybody to repent or otherwise you're going to hell. That's, that's a really non-receptive way to do things. But I want to be Jesus to my friends and coworkers in the skin that I'm in. I just want to be me in front of them with Jesus' love representing. That's what I want to be. I don't want to try to be something that I'm not. God didn't call Moses to be something that he wasn't. He used everything that he was to lead people. If you want to be that same kind of person where you're like, I, I'm tired of just passing by my opportunities and I want to be more sensitive to these opportunities and I want to have just an, like the antennas up to know what God is saying and what he's doing and I just want to help people take a step closer to Christ every day by being that outward focused person, I want you to stand up and I'm just going to pray for you. Lord, you see the response. You see that, that we're not satisfied with the status quo. We're not satisfied with just going to work every day and doing the same thing we always do and driving by the same people and doing the same stuff and never allowing your opportunities to cross our mind. Lord, I pray that you would plague us with your opportunities, that you would put them in our minds all the time, that you would give us such simple and easy ways to reach people for you, to bring them a step closer, that you would draw people to us so that we could draw them to you. There's already some people like that that we can think of as, at this moment. And God, we ask that you would allow us to, to see at this very moment a clear picture of what we should do to help the, our friends, our family, our coworkers st step closer to you this week. At this very moment, God, give us creativity. Give us the ability to know what to do. Lord, we want to go and we want to see our world changed. Holy Spirit, make our hearts and our minds aware of what you're doing. Help us see, hear, and feel the needs around us and know what to do, we pray in Jesus' name.